Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode 178 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. I'm an employment solicitor and HR specialist, and I run the firm Real Employment Law Advice, where we provide real, everyday advice to both employers and employees on all aspects of employment law and HR. If you have any questions that you would like answered, or if you would like support for your organisation, then we offer a range of services that may be able to help you. You can get in touch for a no obligation quote by emailing me Alison at realemploymentadvice.co.uk. In this week's episode of the podcast, I'm pleased to bring you an interview episode and it's something a bit different to what I've normally done because I'm actually interviewing three people together and this is the most I've interviewed so hopefully you'll find the format okay but actually the value that I think you'll get from this episode is fantastic. Now as many of you will know There is a legal obligation in relation to equality and diversity amongst all businesses and organisations. And the Equality Act sets out a number of protected characteristics, so things that are protected by law from discrimination or inequality. What I'm going to be shining a light on in the next few episodes and upcoming episodes is those equality, diversity and inclusion issues that aren't necessarily covered by law, but that which I think employers should be thinking about for best practice and also for making yourself the best employer and for being a decent human being, really. So in this episode, I'm pleased to interview three ladies who are from the organisation Gateway Women, which is a global friendship and support network for childless women. And in this episode, we talk about how employers can think meaningfully about all of their employees, including those who may be childless. So I hope you find great value in this and that you it gets you to thinking about some of the people within your own organisation or business and the things that you can be doing. I'll include all the links to Gateway Women and the things that we talk about in the podcast within the podcast show notes, which you can find on our website, realemploymentoradvice.co.uk. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this week's featured content. Okay, so I'm really pleased to be joined by Sophia, Lindsay and Karen. Um, Welcome to the podcast. Lovely to be here, Alison. Thank you. Great. And so what we're going to do is um, just go round and I'll ask you to introduce yourselves for the podcast audience. Uh, Tell us a bit about yourself and and what you do. Karen, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Thank you, Alison. I'm Karen, Karen Enfield, and I am the Operations Director for Gateway Women, which is a global support and friendship organization that supports women who are childless, not by choice or circumstance. And we support them, giving them uh, tips and tricks on how to live a fulfilling and meaningful life uh, without children. And next to that, we also have various subgroups within our online community um, where we have a focus on living life as a single childless woman or as a partner childless woman, where we have a focus on really supporting each other um, just kind of through daily 
things that happen and occur in our lives um, as childless women. And one of the things that we also do is we have a fantastic subgroup in our online community that's called Workplace Changemakers. And I thought that would be a great opportunity also for you to talk about with us today on how we are hoping also to break some of the taboos in the workplace um, and in HR and diversity um, and inclusion policies around the topic of childlessness. Okay, that's great. Thank you, Karen. Uh, Lindsay. Uh, hi, Alison. Thanks for inviting me. So I work for the local university. I'm an outreach officer, which means I'm involved a lot of inclusion and diversity. I co-founded the Childless Staff Support Group for our workplace. And at the time I co-founded it, I didn't realise that there weren't any other uh, childless staff work groups in the country. So we kind of are feeling our way through it, I suppose you'd say. I also helped to co-host the local Gateway Bristol meetup group, which is where childless women meet up face-to-face and uh, various activities. Thank you, Lindsay. And we'll certainly hear more about your support group shortly. Thank you. Sophia. Hi. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me onto your podcast. So I'm Sophia. I joined Gateway Women back in 2017 when I was looking for support myself as someone who's childless, not by choice. And in terms of my work, I work in the pharmaceutical industry. I've worked in the pharmaceutical industry for over 20 years. And as part of that, I've led and managed and coached teams. And back in 2018, I started a master's in coaching and mentoring. And part of my research there involved researching the experience of coaching in women who are childless not by choice or by circumstance and during the conversations that I had with research participants the issues around work and career and how they felt in the workplace came up during those conversations and most recently I've been I'm part of the EDI group at the company that I work for so I'm really trying to raise awareness of some of those issues that I learned about and to see how we can tackle them internally in workplace initiatives. Okay, thank you. And so do you want to um, give us a little bit of information about Gateway Women first, Karen, before we talk about the general things around uh, workplace? Yeah, sure. Um, Anything in particular you would like to know more about, Alison? So how long has it been, how long have you been an organisation for? Yeah, the Gateway Gateway Women was founded back in uh, 2011, so 10 years ago. We're actually in our in our celebratory anniversary, 10 year anniversary year this year, and it was founded by Jody Day, who is a thought leader, leader, a psychotherapist, but also an author of the fantastic book Living the Life Unlived. And Jody started off Gateway Women just as a blog, which she shared her experience of life as a childless woman. She was in her early mid 40s back then. And that blog kind of went viral overnight. She posted it online and it was met with so much positive response from women from all over the world who actually wrote, my God, it is as if you are in my mind and it is as if you have actually written about what my life is like as a woman who is childless, not by choice or circumstance. And it just kind of grew from there into the support network that it is today. Gateway Women has a global reach of of 2 million women worldwide. We have an online membership community with over a thousand members from all over the world as well, who kind of, you know, support each other and, you know, make connections, friendship connections with each other. 
we also offer workshops. We have a very um, a rich website where lots of information is also found. And it has been a place that I've joined back in 2016. And when I joined Gateway Women as a childless woman, I'm childless not by choice due to cerv uh, cervical cancer at the age of 33. And when I joined Gateway Women, it just felt like stepping into a warm bath and just knowing that I was no longer alone with this what I now know is this grief that I carried around with me, just kind of this, this feeling of not belonging, feeling like I was on the outs outside of the of, of society, didn't feel I, would, I was fitting in as I thought I had. And then finding a place where it is just a safe haven for women like myself, where we can just connect and talk about, you know, how our, what our life looks like as a childless woman and how we navigate everything that, you know, um, that we are dealing with and especially pronatalism in the world um, and pronatalism is the ideology that underpins our culture and tells us that being a parent is the only correct way to be an adult and um, perhaps it would be more easily understood if we decoded like the, the latin part of the word natal slash birth and renamed it pro-family um, and therefore anti those without children and that's kind of what we kind of often deal with in society and also in the workplace and that is something that we at gateway women you know like i said earlier we really try and you know help women support them through all these prejudices that we are faced with yes okay that's fantastic thank you and so um lindsay you mentioned about the support group that you've set up at your workplace um how did that come about for you Okay, so uh, in a nutshell, um, I was working away, happily thinking that I was going to get married and have children and go part time and live the fairy tale dream. And the reality uh, started to realise that that wasn't going to happen. And I, at the time, like Karen says, you don't really know you're going through the whole grief thing, journey thing. But I was going through this at work at the time and kind of feeling rather lost. And I met a colleague who was looking, they were looking to research into equality and diversity issues for scientists. And I was the equality and diversity lead at the time. So I was put in a meeting and we were just chatting away. And, and I kind of thought, should I mention it? Should I not mention it? And I brought it up and said, oh, well, there is one thing, you know, that um, being childless is really difficult in the workplace. And even just trying to deal with trying to get your uh, mental health together in work time and she suggested why don't you you know look at your flexible working and I was like oh can I do that I've got I haven't got children and she was like oh yeah yeah anybody can oh, ask for flexible working and that's when I was like oh right so I then went to do flexible working and at the time she said oh this is really interesting I'd like to take it back to our quality diversity and I said okay but I don't want you to mention my name because it's like coming out and I don't come out to everybody. Mm. I'm this childless woman who's going through this because I don't want sympathy or curiosity or anything. And interestingly, she was a lady who was really, really nice with friends now and she's got three children of her own. So she was seeing it from another point of view, but she was, you know, wanting to help. So she went back to the Quality Diversity Committee and took um, what I'd said back to them. And then it was suggested that maybe we'd like to start some sort of support. And they found a co-founder who I work alongside, and that's a, that's a man that does that with me. And I very much, he's the front face of the, of the group, and I'm very much in the background because 
I'm not quite ready to stand in front of the whole workplace and say, look at me, I'm childless and I want this, but I do want to help other people who have gone through my journey because over the last five years being a member of Gateway, just feeling a part of that community and meeting women that are going through the same thing and finding that you're normal, that being all the anger and the grief and all the ups and downs of it is normal. You're not going completely mad. And so just being able to offer that to other work colleagues and be a voice for work colleagues, because when you're at the beginning of your journey, you can't even accept it yourself, never mind tell the person you sat next to. So maybe if that person next to you has already heard about the Childless Network, they might be a bit more aware before they ask for questions. So that's how the Childless Stuff Network came about. Thank you, Lindsay. And Sophia, um, in your experience, what are the major issues that women face in the workplace with with regards to um, childlessness? So I think that there's probably three major strands. And I think that Karin and um, Lindsay have already mentioned these when when they were talking about their own experience. Uh, So one of them, I think, is that the application of policies equitably regardless of parental status so something that Lindsay mentioned for example she didn't even sort of appreciate that she had the right to ask for flexible working so there is that realization that actually you do have the right to ask for the the things that are protected already and already existing and also then on employers to to think about maybe there is something hidden around the, you know, who are they more likely to grant flexible working requests to? Is there something around that? Is it geared towards sort of being granted, not necessarily equitably, but perhaps based on what they perceive as deserving of flexible working or, you know, on that merit-based award rather than the other things that might pull someone away from the workplace that that aren't necessarily related to children because I do think that support around mothers and children in the workplace is really important and there's a recognition that you know people might be pulled away from the workplace physically mentally emotionally because of children but that's sort of neglecting the less well documented and characterized reasons I think why non-parents may be pulled away there are other things within their life that might also pull them away emotionally, physically, mentally. So it's recognising that they too need that flexibility in terms of working. And perhaps they can't work the longer hours. Perhaps they can't work the more unsociable shifts. And perhaps together, parents and non-parents alike, they can think of a solution to tackle some of these workplace issues that might be causing the more a sort of a greater workload or greater perceived workload on those that don't have children so there's that part of it there's also the part that um, Karen and Lindsay also mentioned around those workplace conversations so education I think because it's seen perhaps as a harmless sort of conversation starter within the workplace to ask about someone's parental status you know do you have children and then maybe when the answer is no they're not quite sure how to respond they might come up with a quip for example I've talked to someone who's experienced you know in the workplace a response like oh you better hurry up or you better get on with it when actually they couldn't have children so there's education around those and I think you know those conversations around children will happen because the workplace is part of society 
and most people do have children, but it's because it kind of it's suitable, you know, as and when, and to be aware of some of the issues around that. And then I think the third part of it is just having that psychological safety to be able to raise these issues in the workplace for people, because as I say, it is less well documented, but it has a huge impact on people at work being childless, particularly when they're involuntary childless. And to be able to know that they're safe to talk about some of the issues that are affecting them, particularly as well, for example, if they have you know, medical issues surrounding it as well, to feel that they can talk to someone within the organisation that's going to understand, you know, if they're having difficulties coping with things emotionally. And then another interesting element that I came across is how their professional identity may be affected if they're childless, you know, particularly, for example, if they're working with children, you know, if they're teachers, you know, this perception that perhaps that professional identity is compromised somewhat because they don't have children that feeling of you know well can I be can I do this occupation because I don't have children how that can affect women as well and so they're some of the the main things that I come across in my conversations with people and to me they sort of fall into those um, categories. And I think what you said there, I, I guess the starting point for all of this, and another reason why we're talking about this today is is about raising awareness, isn't it? I think, I guess you would agree that um, raising awareness amongst employers is probably step number one, because certainly, you know, unless you're for any reason involved, you know, in, with someone who is childless, not by choice, um, or, you know, you have experience of this yourself, it's not something that we first think of is it really we're all kind of taught as young girls that you know you get you know generally get married you have children and that's all going to happen for you and nobody really talks about the circumstances and when actually it might not happen for you Um, so I think that's another reason why employers aren't necessarily thinking of the issue if you don't have exposure to it yourself um, then then it's not on many employers radars and I know Karen when we were talking when we first met we were talking about this whole thing about women's journeys through life and there are lots of things that that us as women um, go through in our lives that aren't talked about and fortunately they are becoming more prevalent now and people aren't Mm. actually addressing them but we've lived in a very male world for such a long period of time so it's fantastic that organizations such as gateway women and and yourselves are all championing this and raising that awareness but I can (laughs) uh, I can imagine um, that there may be some employers who are listening to this who think to themselves well actually do you know what we already have so much that we have to think about in terms of equality and diversity and certainly in terms of our legal obligations um so so what would your what would your advice be to employers who are thinking well okay so i understand that there may be some people in my employment who um you know are childless and, and maybe experiencing some difficulties or or may need support but actually I'm going to prioritise where my legal obligations lie, i.e. in dealing with, you know, um, pregnancy and maternity rights and all of those sorts of things. So what, what would you say to employers then? What are your sort of tips for employers? Jodi has actually mentioned this once in a, in a fantastic talk that she did, and I'm just going to quote her here, is that women without children in the workplace is the biggest diversity issue HR hasn't heard of. 
And it, it fits yeah. right in with, with what you just said, Alison, you know, and and of course, you know, it is really important that HR, any any HR managers or any people who are working in HR who are listening to this, you know, of course, you know, the standard packages also have to be have to be in place, you know, and, and the, the, the legal obligations that the companies have. However, research has shown that approximately 10 percent of the population identifies as LGBTQIAI um, and no self-respecting HR department would neglect to include them in their diversity planning. Yet women without children make up 20 to 30 percent of the mature female population in developed countries and as yet our voices aren't, aren't heard and our calls for fair treatment in the workplace are often trivialized or shamed into silence. So what we would really like for HR departments to do is to kind of wake up and stop building those employee packages about the standard, you know, 2.2 family life. You know, it's up to up to 30 percent of your employees won't be mothers, you know, and it's 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 only a matter of time before discriminating against an employee based on their parental or reproductive status becomes illegal. You know, it's because it's it's kind of, it's already kind of unethical. Mm. And so, if, you know, if, if you want to be a forward thinking organization that sees the human in resources, I think you kind of need to broaden your understanding of female employees from just that of childcare. You know, there is so much more to it than that. How about you, Lindsay? What would you what would your uh, tip for employers be to get started? Because I don't think it needs to be actual radical major changes. I think there's slight small things that they can do. For instance, when you're training your managers to into the management training, but this could be a situation that you might be in where a member of your staff might come to you and say, I'm really struggling with childlessness. I'm really struggling. I might need help fertility treatment. You know, um, can you help me here? Or can you help put into place a few things that might help me? And it's little changes like, don't have um, people announce pregnancy announcements at team meetings without giving warning to the to maybe a member of staff who's not that comfortable with it. Or don't have the group WhatsApp group, which has just been sent photos of the new pregnancy or the new baby. Have a separate WhatsApp group for that that you can choose either to be a member of or not, but then have a WhatsApp group that's just work. So you can choose just to do the work thing. So just little changes, I think, that aren't massive that they could make people aware of, make managers aware of, and it would make a massive difference to the people that are going through it, just the little things. Yeah, so you're not saying, you know, don't celebrate those things within the workplace. You're saying actually just be mindful that there may be some people who may not want to hear that or may need to hear it in a different way or may have a, a, a different reaction than others. Yeah, yeah. It's not that you don't want to hear it. It's the fact that you could end up triggered and in tears in the middle of the office because you've not been expecting it. So, oh yeah, um, you know, it's amazing thing. It's an amazing thing of life. Someone having a baby, but just send out an email. Fred Bloggs is bringing in his new baby on Wednesday morning at nine o'clock, so that you can choose whether you want to be in the office at nine o'clock on Wednesday morning or whether you need you can go somewhere else. Just give us a, give us a, a heads up. So. We're not saying we don't want them to do it. We're just saying just bear us in mind when you do. Yeah. And how about you, Sophia? Have you got any sort of practical tips or things that employers can start doing sort of straight away? Yeah, echoing a lot of what's already been said, I think they're really valuable tips. Um, uh, and, you know, for example, if if a child, if an employee is bringing in their newborn, 
to not sort of have a tour of the office, maybe have them in one room and people can go to them and, and see if they want to. And, you know, not sort of asking people to hold the baby sort of and, you know, but rather wait for someone to say, may I hold the baby? So there's those things. Also the education part of it, the building, because particularly recently with the events over the last couple of years, there has been a real emphasis on EDI. And and I see this as a sort of an inclusivity issue. So how inclusive as an organisation are you really being? And also hidden bias, perhaps, as well. So training around those areas. And if you're going to be doing EDI initiatives anyway and training, can you include the childless and and child-free journey within that training for new employees to the company I think that's a real I think that's a small change to something that an organization may already be doing is adding something to it to make it truly inclusive and I think that can only be positive you know for all, all of the people involved um, and then as well if there's going to be employee representative groups and there's one for example for women's issue this isn't you know exclusively a women's issue so it could be broadened out but to have the child free and childless journey included as part of that as well so it's looking at what's already within the organization and using that and including that that real inclusivity part of it including childlessness into what already exists in terms of the broad range of employees that you have so that everyone feels supported um, and everyone feels that they're being represented and that they have a voice and actually you touched upon something there which I think is quite important to mention is actually that this is an issue for men as well and there may be um, men in the in your you know organization who are equally struggling to coming to terms with childlessness or and the issues around that um and obviously gate it's called gateway women but do you allow men to join or is there something similar for men available there are well what we have noticed, Gateway Women is, you know, it, it's in the name. We, we are an organization exclusively for women. However, we are, of course, you know, we, we, we also try to be as diverse and inclusive as we can be, um, you know, and we, whenever we do have men who do come forward that they are looking for support, we always direct them into uh, the support networks that are out there for men. However, what we have seen across the globe is that for some of the men that we have met, they, they have different needs to be and, and they have a different desire for the support that they want around this topic. You know, women, we really are, you know, looking for that community, for that friendship and those connections. And for men, for some men that we have met, it, it's a slightly different, different demand. Having said that, that doesn't mean that men are also as deeply impacted by the fact that they will never be a, a, a parent through that journey or, you know, supporting their partner through that journey um, as well. So that, so, you know, and for me also, when you say, what can, what can companies do more about is, you know, also it, um, next to what Lindsay and Sophia have already said is, you know, look at holiday allocations, you know, how are your rules and what is your policy around that? The work-life balance, the work-life balance isn't just about children. You know, it's also what we see is that a lot of people who are childless or child-free, they often care a great deal for either parents or friends or uh, family members and stuff like that. So they also need to be able 
to leave the workplace and to be able to use flexible hours and stuff like that. So that's something you can think about. Workload distribution is another thing that people can look at, you know, because quite often the people who are employees who are childless, not by choice, or who are child free are often perceived as, oh, they have more time on their hands. So, you know, they can cover for someone else who needs to leave and pick up the children from daycare or, you know, for to cover for paternity or paternity or maternity leave. So those are things that, that companies can really look at. And, you know, there's a great example. There is a Scottish beer brewing company. I won't mention the name, but there is a company and they have actually implemented paternity leave. Uh, so P-A-W, paternity leave. So that for, for employees who get a new pet, you can get a week off work to bring your pet, uh, to welcome your pet into your home and, you know, take care of your pet and get him used to, you know, his new surroundings. So that's a brilliant example of, you know, being really, truly inclusive, you know, to employees who, who, who can't or who won't appeal to your paternity leave program. But, you know, this is a great way to bring, bring more inclusivity into your workplace. I don't mind you saying, is it Brewdog? Yeah. Brewdog, yeah. Yeah, they come out with some really great initiatives for their employees. They really are a great example of what you can do if you think outside of outside of the norm, I guess. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And also imagine, Alison, you know, you've got, um, you know, bring your child to work day, which is which can be a very, very triggering, uh, you know, event for for someone who might still be going through fertility treatments or, you know, who who's going through uh, an adoption process or who is, you know, um, like myself, childless, not by choice, or, you know, someone who might just miscarried. So I think I would also like to invite any HR managers or HR employees to think about, you know, okay, how can I change the narrative around it? How can I what can I do? You maybe perhaps you know bring bring a friend to work or bring 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 a guest to work. You know already that sounds so much more inclusive than bring your child to work. You know and that actually because and and if if the person then decides to bring their child, hey great, look at me. I'm here. I'm here with my I'm here with my best friend who is a super important person in my life who supports me and who keeps me sane and who you know kind of keeps stimulating me and motivates me to keep doing the work that I do for for, for your organization. So you know those are. Just slightly different perspectives that you can have, but have a deep impact. So um, I'll just what because we've covered lots of points there, which I think are really handy. So if I just summarise and then we can add to any other additional points that, to them. So we've got about raising awareness, haven't we? So perhaps creating a policy or a, uh, or something in within your staff handbook that can help employees train your managers and include it within your equality and diversity training and um, policies. I know certainly in terms of the equality and diversity training I've ever been on it it's never been mentioned um, so definitely that could be a, a really simple thing to add in um, then we've got around really considering things like how you communicate messages and what happens you know things like whatsapp groups like you were saying and you know announcements in the office and then we've got about holidays being mindful about holidays haven't we that you know not just saying you've got children so you you can have holiday during school times or school holidays etc um actually understanding that people have other things in their life that are just as important and then we've got Sophia you mentioned about the I've lost it now I can't remember (laughs) there was another point that you mentioned um 
understanding that flexible working and making it more widely known that flexible working is available and that's a legal thing to anybody now you don't have to just apply because you've got children which was how it first started wasn't it mm-hmm. and and then you know and again Karen your 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 point about thinking creatively about important things for employees like the poor tenancy leave which I really like that or bring someone special to work rather than bring your child to work kind of events is there anything else that we we haven't touched upon that you would think obviously actually sorry Lindsay your point about having a support group your organization is large enough that you can include a, a separate sort of group to to support your employees is there anything else there that you can think of um, I think when they're creating new policies at that workplace to talk to your staff about who might have an input into it. So if you're creating an infertility policy, then talk to your childless staff yeah. about what goes into that, because I think it's often overlooked. People who are going through IVF, they're not protected by being pregnant and they're not protected by being ill, going through quite a rough time. Um, they can't predict when they're supposed to be having appointments or when treatment might happen. And quite often they're not really, they're not as flexible for those people in the workplace. So maybe if they could um, talk to more people about that before they create these policies, it'd be more inclusive. Yeah, absolutely. So incorporate that. And that, that kind of leads on to another question I had, which was about how do you approach this conversation so if you it's all very well and good having a policy and including this within your training but if you have an employee who doesn't have children and you know how do you approach that conversation how would you suggest approaching that conversation with an employee it's actually very difficult because some of our gateway women have reached out and contacted their HR department and felt like that they've not had much of a response or no response or have very little response and it takes a lot of guts to contact about this subject and so if you do that and there's no response from anyone on the other end then you're less likely to want to put your hands up so I think I think it's as a company being approachable showing that you're approachable advertising in your newsletters in however you advertise that you're aware of childlessness in the workplace and putting out where people can go if they want to talk to someone about it in the ideal world you should be able to talk to your manager about it your line manager Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you can't then there may be someone else that can put out there but I think the more awareness that you raise amongst everybody then it becomes an everyday subject so when people say have you got children and they say yeah I've got two and you say no I haven't got any there's not an awkward silence when everyone looks uncomfortable that it's just something that you say you know it's because it's become an everyday thing that people might mention in the workplace yeah, and I think if I if I may add to that, because I think also, you know, because um, I can imagine to anyone listening to this and like, oh, oh gosh, you know, um, how 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 can I indeed make this a, a subject that we that that we can bring to the table or that we can you know bring to the attention of our employees as well? Um, Lindsay, you know, Lindsay's examples are brilliant, but perhaps also, you know, um, quite often companies have employee uh, engagement surveys or employee satisfaction surveys, and you know, quite often it's about work life balance. Perhaps it could be a question in there, you know, do you feel that that we are a company that is, you know, open to um, to your feedback or, you know, or is there any is there any topic that you would like to see included in our diversion and inclusive uh, inclusivity policies? You know, already those are kind of questions that in, are very inviting also to employees to actually say, do you know what? OK, hey, here's an opening. I can talk to this about and then also be very aware that when someone does 
open up to you about that, that you are aware of what childlessness is. You know, so already that is my, that would be my number one invitation to anybody listening who wants to know more about it. Look up the definition of childlessness. You know, we are we, we make up quite a big portion of your uh, employees. And, you know, so I think we deserve also to to get that recognition and to, you are as, a, as an employer are aware of what this um, what this means. And I always say that the best managers really know their staff, know them really well, know how they work or how they tick and, what, and can have that conversation quite comfortably. I think it's managers who don't take that time to get to know staff who who find it difficult to approach those those sorts of conversations. But it's certainly I think, yeah, having an awareness has got to be the starting point for everyone, hasn't it? And then from that, you can then open up those doors for the conversation where it's needed. Yeah, absolutely. And finding out that you, that you're going to be childless not by choice or by not by circ- by circumstance, having to let go of that dream, is is so heartbreaking. It really is a heartbreaking process to go through, and it really impacts. You know what Sophia already said. You know, emotional health, our physical health, but also our mental health. And you know, having a safe space in the workplace where you can actually feel seen and be heard and be acknowledged that you are going through a really tough time already can prevent fallout from or absenteeism from your employees as well. I was very lucky that I uh, went to staff counselling. An interesting several years ago when I went to staff counselling about the subject, we didn't offer any. But now when I went a few years later, I had counselling and it was really good. I feel very supported by my company. I'm really lucky, but I think apart from raising awareness, when surveys and you see bits that they're looking at childlessness comes up next to maternity or next to retirement or all the different options that they're looking at but we're there we're there as a section just to sort of round things off then what do you think are the benefits to employers of looking at this as an issue and implementing it within their diversity and inclusion policies I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you what you, you know, what would you, if you were faced with an employer who's saying, well, you know, we've got enough to be doing, what's the point? What what, what, do, what would your answer to that be? I would say just at a very fundamental level that people will potentially leave if they're not feeling supported. And that's, you know, not to sort of a theoretical idea. It actually has happened. And it may continue to happen. So if you want to think about retaining talent and developing talent and developing potential, then these are what this is an area that's worth it for them too. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be my one, my one mm. sort of counter argument, perhaps. Yes. I agree. A happy workforce is a productive workforce. And we're not taking maternity leave. We're not costing the company all that money going on maternity leave years I've been there I feel that you know they should invest in their staff invest in our welfare yeah Absolutely. And I think not only that, you've got the, the your sort of reputational piece as well, haven't you? About being a good employer means you're a good business, which means other people will want to do business with you or to, you know, use your service or your product. So there are there are clear um, sort of returns on investment, should I say, for employers if they, you know, take some of these, you know, very simplistic in my view and um, not in, in, inexpensive shall I say steps to to help to, you know the inclusion of women in the work and it's also looking at the, that um, company's perhaps customer base as well so looking at them more holistically because this is something that will affect 
your employees and also maybe your customers. So it is that, you know, reputational element to it as well. You know, you're you're a company that considers all of these things and considers all of the possible things that might affect the people that you're looking to serve. I think this has been fantastic. So mm. I'll just ask you, is there one final thing you want to add or any message you want to convey to employers? If there's not, don't worry, because I know we've covered quite a lot, haven't we? <laughs> What I would like to do is to invite anybody who is listening and who is interested to learn more about this, have a look at our website. Yes, we'll pop it in the show notes for you. Um, and along with, and you know, if, if you want to share any contact details, um, we can pop those in if anyone wants to get in touch, if they've been affected by um, childlessness, or if they want some more information about Gateway Women, then we'll pop that all in. Fantastic. Um, so, um, well, unless there's anything else you want to add, been fantastic to talk to you and I think this has been a really worthwhile episode for our listeners and um, you know hopefully it raises some awareness and we you know we get some positive steps forward so thanks mm-hmm. very much for joining me today thank you for having me thank, thank you thank you very much Alison it's been an absolute pleasure to be on this podcast with you and um, have a great day Well, I hope you'll agree that that was a really insightful episode and I hope that it's got you thinking about some of the people that you work with who may be childless and the types of things that you can do within your organisation to ensure inclusion amongst your workforce. As I said at the start of the episode, I am going to be doing a number of episodes that deal with equality, diversity and inclusion that is not covered by the Equality Act. So if you have any ideas for a show, or if you'd like to be interviewed, if you're passionate about a particular topic, then do not hesitate to get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. My email address is alison at realemploymentoradvice.co.uk. And as always, if you want any help, resources, information or support with your own internal employment law and HR issues, we are here to help. Myself and my team are very happy to help you. We have very competitive pricing and we can offer you an ongoing support service that will inevitably enhance your business. Thanks very much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week ahead and look forward to bringing you the next episode of the podcast in two weeks time. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you, that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast, but please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice.